Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Anybody feeling a little rebellious? You're in a good place. Because today we're starting a new series that applies to all of us. So whether uh, you've been in church your entire life or this is your first time ever walking into the doors of a church, this series called Rebel really does apply to all of us, and here's why. We're all rebels. All of us have a certain amount of rebellion in us, whether we're the in-your-face kind of arrogant rebel or we're the behind-your-back kind of passive rebel or we're one of those rebels with a cause to fight for. We all have a certain amount of rebellion in us. And here's the thing about our rebellion. When we get into those rebel modes, those modes that we're like, you know what, I'm just going to do it anyway, we often get a big smile on our face And we say to ourselves, and we say to other people, I know, I know that thing is bad for me. I know that's not probably going to work out the best. I know there's huge consequences if I make that decision or get involved in that thing. I know that if other people find out, it won't go good for me, but I don't care. I'm just going to do it anyway. You know why? Because I'm a rebel. And if I get caught, I'll probably be able to figure out a way out of it. That's just what rebels do. And you know what? It doesn't bother me, the thought of consequences. Why? Because when I'm in rebel mode, none of that matters. None of that matters to me. It actually gets me a little bit excited. I get kind of an adrenaline rush at the thought that maybe I might get caught, but I'll prove to you that I won't. And that'll prove how cool of a rebel I really am. So when we get into those rebel modes, like we start thinking and saying some pretty interesting things. And, uh, you know, there are seasons that we get into rebellion. There are moments that we get into rebellion. There are weekends we get into rebellion. And when we choose to go into that rebellion mode, that rebel mode, we often hear our favorite theme music. And I don't, I don't know what your, your theme music is, but there's probably a song that signifies for you a weekend, a moment, a time frame in life where you were just the coolest cat around. Here's my theme music. Check this out. I just wish I knew how to play the guitar. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'd have played it for you. Is that anybody else's theme music? Isn't that a great song? And that is fantastic when you are in rebel mode. Um, Now, how many of you are rebellious enough to admit that there are moments that you have those rebellion weekends, those rebellion decisions, those rebellion seasons, whatever? How many of you are rebellious enough to admit that? Okay, great. Thank you. Now, the rest of you who didn't raise your hand, you're exercising your rebellion right now, and you're saying... (laughs) I'm not raising my hand for that loser preacher. And if you're thinking that, I get it. Because I wouldn't raise my hand either if some loser, bald-headed preacher asked me to raise my hand in a rebellion service. Well, here's the interesting thing about rebellion. It's found all throughout the Bible. You start reading in the Bible, within the first few chapters, you find rebellion. You read all the way to the end, you find rebellion in the last book of the Bible in Revelation. You find rebellion all over the place in the Bible, and there's some really interesting characters throughout the Bible. There's some of those arrogant rebels, those rebels that say, they leave me alone, like nobody's the boss of me, I'll do whatever I want. Even in moments, you're like, yeah, you probably shouldn't say that, like you're just about to get spanked, or you're about to get whooped in battle, or something really bad's about to happen to you. You shouldn't be doing that, and yet there are many people 
people that do that. Then there's kind of the passive uh, rebels that are kind of behind your back kind of rebels, like not really sure that they're in rebellion mode or not. There's some rebels in the Bible that you would look at and go like, is that really a rebel? Like, I'm not really sure. They look so virtuous. But when you dig into their story, as the Bible lets us do, bless you, the, the, the Bible allows us the chance to really look into people's hearts. And we see that even people that don't look like rebels can be in rebel mode. And then there's some characters in the Bible that we look at and go, wow, I can't believe that God would use a person like that to do something significant in the world. And God has used some, some major rebels in the Bible to do some significant things. So in this series, we're going to explore some rebel stories in the Bible, and I think that all of us are going to be able to identify with at least one story that we look at. Now, as we'll learn in this series, not all rebellion is bad or wrong. Some rebellion is actually good and right. Uh, people like our founding fathers who led an American rebellion against Great Britain. Uh, people like Martin Luther King Jr., who led a rebellion against racial inequality. People like that and many more remind us that there are moments that rebellion is the right thing to do. And we'll explore that together in this series as well. But for today, what we're going to look at is that outright arrogant rebellion. Those moments that we get into that spot and say, you're not going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do because I am an arrogant rebel. So to find our first rebels in the Bible, we don't have to look very far. We just have to look in the book of Genesis. So in Genesis chapter 1, God began the work of creation. In Genesis chapter 2, he created Adam and Eve, our first rebels. And we're not going to look at their story today. We're actually going to look at a story connected with their kids. But in Genesis chapter 2, God gave Adam and Eve one rule, just one rule, not the Ten Commandments. Not other rules that are found in the Old Testament and New Testament part of the Bible, just one rule. Don't eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we aren't sure how long it took Adam and Eve to break that one rule, but they did in Genesis chapter 3. They ate the fruit that God told them not to eat, and as a result, they brought a curse of sin and death onto the world. And then in chapter 4, they did this really cool thing of passing that on to their kids you see, they started having kids, and if you have children, you understand that kids don't have to be taught to do wrong, right? Can I get an amen from at least one parent in the room? Like, okay, now, if you have been a kid, you understand that you don't have to be taught to do wrong, right? We all understand that we're born with this sin nature. We're born with a bent towards rebellion. So we're going to look at uh, the story of Cain and Abel this morning. That's Adam and Eve's kids. In Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel in his gift, but he did not accept Cain in his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Now, here's what was happening for Cain in that moment. Uh, it was harvest time, and Cain decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to bring God some of my crops, 
He didn't bring the best of his crops. He brought some of his leftovers. They were, they were good. There's nothing really bad or wrong with them. They just weren't the best. And that's why God did not accept Cain's offering. The interesting thing about God is God always gives us the best that he has. And so what he asks of us is to give him the best that we have. And that's what Abel did. So Abel looked at his flock and he gave the best of his firstborn lambs. He said, these belong to God. And so that's what he brought to God. And God accepted Abel's gift. Now, sometimes we look in the Old Testament part of the Bible, if you understand the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament and, and uh, looking at the, uh, the character of God in, in that story, uh, sometimes we look at the Old Testament part of the Bible and say, you know, in the Old Testament, God was just mean and nasty and, and cruel to people. And then he had this like 400-year time out, and then he got happier after that. I mean, you know, in the New Testament, Jesus came along, I and mean, he got really nice after that. But that's not true. Watch what God does in verse 6 with Cain. He says to Cain, why are you so angry? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. So our great God gave Cain a second chance to have his offering accepted. He, he gave him another chance to do the right thing. So as we, when we look in the Old Testament part of the Bible, we always see our God's grace for us. Our God is a very gracious God, is a very gracious heart, and he's always extending us grace time and time again. So don't ever look in the Old Testament part of the Bible and think, oh, God was just mean and nasty. He wasn't. Our God's always had a heart of grace for us, and we see it from the beginning of the Bible. So God is very gracious to Cain in that moment, and Cain had a decision to make. Was he going to do what God asked him to do? Was he going to take God up on a second chance to make things right? Or was he going to go another path? Was he going to do something different, something that he wanted to do? And I think all of us can relate to Cain. All of us know exactly what it's like to be in Cain's spot. We've all been at that why in the road where we're looking at two different paths, one path that leads away from God, one path that leads towards God, one path that leads to the things that I want to do, one path that leads to things that the God wants us to do. And we've all been in that moment where we've said, you know what? I, I don't know. What should I do? Should I, should I do what my parents want me to do? You know, that, that thing that, that would make them happy, that, that I, I know would be a right thing? Or am I going to do the thing that I want to do? Am I going to choose to get involved in that, that activity that I know is going to be bad for me? Then we rationalize, you know, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is getting away with it. Are we going to do that? Are we going to do something that we know is, is better and right for us? Are we going to let our pride, our anger, our jealousy, our bitterness to get the best of us and take control of us and then maybe refuse to resolve conflict with someone, even though God tells us that's the best way to live? There's all kinds of ways we find ourselves in Cain's exact spot trying to make a decision. Am I going to do what I want to do? Or am I going to do what God wants me to do? And, and maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're in that spot right now. You're in Cain's spot. You're at the Y in the road. You're looking at two options. And, and maybe you're thinking about doing something that you know you shouldn't do. You're being heavily influenced by people around you or the pressure that's around you or the temptation that's in your life. And maybe you're, you're just thinking, I, I really think I'm going to do this. You're leaning heavily in that direction. Or maybe you're already involved in something. 
You're involved in something you know is going to have huge consequences for you and for the people that you love if, if this thing is found out. Or maybe you are so angry. Maybe you're like Cain. You're like, you just look so dejected. And why? Because there's some anger, there's some jealousy, there's some bitterness going on in your life. And it's kind of eating at you. Maybe you're mad at a family member, maybe a friend, maybe a coworker, maybe a teammate, maybe even God. You're so mad at him. You just can't ever imagine that, that you can work this stuff out and get this figured out and resolve this, this issue in your life. And maybe you're at that spot. You've got a decision to make. I, I want to reassure you this morning, if you're in that spot, I'm not going to try to talk you out of doing what you're thinking of doing. I'm not going to try to talk you into doing a different thing, the God thing or the right thing in this moment. And here's why. When anybody ever tries to talk us into doing the right thing, all we hear is blah, 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 blah. That's what I hear. When I'm in rebel mode, someone comes along and tries to speak truth to me. I mean, I, I know they're talking, but I just hear, you know, it's like watching Charlie Brown. Like, wah, 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 wah. That's all I can hear. And that's what Cain heard in this moment with God. All he heard God saying was blah, blah, blah. So watch what Cain did in verse eight. One day Cain suggested to his brother, hey, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Now, do you remember God's warning in verse seven? So in verse seven, he said, if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. So Cain refused to do what was right. And as a result, sin took control over him. And Abel paid the price for that. Abel paid the price because Cain couldn't get control over his sin nature. And that's the thing with our rebellion it always leads to death. In many cases, or in, in this case, specifically in Cain's story, it led to a real death, but in many cases, it leads to a relational death. There's a, a relational death that occurs when, when we choose to hold on to rebellion and, and do what we want to do. There's a death that can happen between us and the people that we love a death that can happen between us and the God who loves us deeply. So our unhealthy rebellion always leads to a relational death. Now, a few weeks ago, I was spending some time with my family. Uh, we were spending the day together, and it was uh, my wife and I and two of my kids. And we were having a great day together. We were having a lot of fun. And towards the end of the day... My wife and I uh, did something that if you were here for our marriage series, you heard me talk about that we do every once in a while. We butted heads. If you're married, not sure you understand what that means. You, you probably have never butted heads with your spouse before. Uh, but my wife and I butted heads over something. And it was something stupid, minor, not a big deal. She moved on from it. I didn't. Like, I was mad. I was mad at that, that, that little uh, brief encounter that we had. It was just irritating to me. So I didn't move on from it. I held on to it. And I got madder. I got super frustrated with her. I shut down and I withdrew from my family. And I watched a relational death occur with my wife and my kids 
I watched my kids, you know, we were having such a great day together and I watched my kids like start wondering like, what happened? Like, where'd dad go? Like he was here, he was engaged. We were having a great day together. And then all of a sudden this, this minor little thing happened. And then where's dad? And I saw this relational death occur and I missed out on some fun stuff that my family was doing and the rest of the day because I chose to hold on to my prideful, arrogant rebellion in that moment. That's another thing that happens when we hold on to our prideful rebellion is that innocent people suffer. Cain made his brother pay for his frustration with God. And I made my kids pay for my frustration with my wife. So again, innocent people suffer. When we give in to our prideful rebellion, and the, the truth is we suffer. We suffer when that relational death occurs. Even in those moments when we think we're, we're just too cool for that, and that doesn't bother us, it really causes pain in our world. And it will bother us more than we'll ever realize. Now, for Cain, this would have been the perfect time for him to stop and say, like, what have I done? I mean, I've allowed my sin to get such control over me. I've killed my brother. Like, what have I done? Like, I need help. I need God's help. I can't manage this on my own. But watch what happened in verse 9. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? Isn't it interesting, the God who knows everything asks Cain where his brother is? And Cain responds, I don't know. Am I my brother's guardian? Like, am I supposed to be his babysitter? He's a big boy. You're God. Don't you know where he is? And God certainly did. Cain held so tightly to his rebellion that he refused to admit what he had done wrong. Even when God was trying to draw it out of him, God was holding up the mirror for him to look in it and say, hey, what have you done? What's happened here? Cain refused to look at that. Verse 10 says, but the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. In verse 13, Cain replied, like many of us would, my punishment is too great for me to bear. When we're in rebel mode, especially arrogant rebel mode, and when we choose to hold on to that, we look at consequences like Cain did here in this moment, and we say, like, it's, it's too big. I'll never be able to pay that back. I'll never be able to rebuild what I've damaged. I'll never be able to win that person's trust back. I'll never be able to live this down ever. And if we aren't careful, we'll hold too tightly to our rebellion, and we'll miss out on an opportunity to be drawn back to our gracious God. Here's an encouraging thing about our rebellion, our rebellious nature. It has the ability to lead us away from God, which we've seen in Cain's story and which we've seen in our own stories. But it also has the ability to draw us back to God if we'll let it. But for that to happen, we have to do what God said in verse 7. And God said, you must subdue your sinful nature. 
and be its master. Now, I have to tell you, this is the most incredibly difficult thing I've ever experienced in my life, is trying to control my sin nature, uh, the thing that wants me to do wrong, the thing that's inside of me. It is incredibly hard. There are moments I think this is just simply impossible to do this, but with God's help, everything is possible. God can help us get control of our sin nature. He can help us control it the way that he wants us to control it. And the best way to do that, and this is gonna sound silly, the best way to do that, the best way to control our sin nature, the best way to to control our rebellion is to rebel against it. So whenever it tells us to do something wrong, we tell it to do something right. When it wants us to get angry and prideful and jealous, we can leverage that temptation and make it do something different. You see, uh, rebellion, temptation, they are just as much an opportunity to do what is right as they are an opportunity to do what is wrong. So when we're standing at that why in the road, we have a choice, right and wrong. God's way, my way. Rebellion or the path that's going to lead to something totally different than I've ever experienced in my entire life. So those moments of temptation, those moments when we're tempted to rebel can be just as much an opportunity to do what is right as it is to do what is wrong. And there's nothing wrong with being tempted in and of itself. Temptation comes to all of us. Even Jesus was tempted. But what, when it gets wrong is when we give in to that temptation and we walk down a path that leads us away from our God. So what should Cain have done in that moment? He should have admitted to God what he was feeling. He should have admitted to God what he had done. And then he should have chosen to control his pride, his jealousy, instead of giving in to it. What should I have done? I should have had a conversation with my wife. I should have swallowed my pride before giving into it and watching a relational death occur in my own family. Again, we don't have to give in to everything our sinful nature wants us to do. We don't have to. With God's help, we can do something totally different. But we don't always get control of our rebellion in time. Many times we give into it and then we start watching death occur around us in a bigger way than we anticipated. And here's when our sin and our rebellious nature can lead us back to God. If we will humble ourselves and admit that what we said, what we thought, what we did was wrong, if we'll swallow our pride and, and say to God, God, I, I've been wrong. I, like I've been so incredibly wrong. If we'll say those things, we can receive God's grace and mercy and forgiveness, and he can show us how to fix what we have damaged. Again, our rebellion can lead us back to God if we'll let it, if we'll humble ourselves, if we'll come back to God and say, God, I need your grace and mercy. Will you show me how to fix this? it can lead us where we really need it to lead us. So in my situation, after I watched that relational death occur, I just looked at myself and thought, like, why are there moments you're such a jerk, Trent? Have you ever had those conversations with yourself? Like, I have them more often than I prefer. There are moments I just have to look at myself kind of in the mirror and go, you know, really, Trent, you're a jerk sometimes. Like, you need to get control over this. Is that how you want to parent your kids? Is that how you want to interact with your family? Is that what you want to do with a great family day is just kind of blow it and have your kids remember that 
as a fun memory for them to draw back on when they're older. Like, no, that's not what I want. So the next day, I went to my wife and my kids, and I said, I'm sorry. I need to apologize to you. What I did was wrong, and I need your forgiveness. Now, did that make everything instantly better? No. My wife and my kids had to process through some pain. They forgave me, which was great. But there was some real pain that they had to process through. And that's another thing that we don't consider about our our rebellious moments is that there are real consequences that we have to face. In Cain's situation, there were some real costs that he had to pay. Imagine this, to forever be known as the first murderer. The first murderer that ever existed in all of humanity. Imagine being known as that person. Uh, He would never be able to undo what he had done. And then in verse 11 and 12, God pointed out to him some other consequences that he would face for the rest of his life. God told him, now you are cursed and banished from the ground which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you no matter how hard you work. From now on, you'll be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Now I am not fully convinced that all of that was a part of God's punishment for Cain. Not fully convinced of that. I think some of it was. I think the the effects of the ground definitely was. But I don't think him being a homeless wanderer was a part of God's punishment. I think that was part of God just prophetically speaking over Cain. As he looked at Cain, and Cain chose to hold on to his rebellion so much, I think God just looked at Cain and said, you know what? You keep walking down that path. Guess what's gonna happen for you? I'm gonna go ahead and predict your future. And your future is gonna be a life of wandering. You're gonna be a homeless wanderer because you've chosen to hold on to rebellion instead of humbling yourself and coming back to me. So those moments when, when we know we've blown it, but we, we choose, again, we're at a, another why in the road. Like, okay, I've blown it, I blew it big. Now I'm at this new why in the road. Am I gonna keep going down this path of rebellion or am I gonna pause and say, God, like, I need help. I've gotta fix this thing. What have I done? There are moments that we face certain consequences in life that I don't think that God intended us to face but we face them when we choose to hold on to our rebellion too tightly. But even in that, watch how God's grace comes back into Cain's story. And it comes back into our stories as well. Verse 13, Cain said, my punishment is too great for me to bear. You've banished me from the land and your presence and you've made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. Verse 15, but the Lord replied, no. For I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and sheltered, settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So even in Cain's uh, punishment, even when God was, was disciplining Cain, he gave him grace Even when Cain refused to humble himself and refused to come back to God, refused to admit that he had done wrong, God poured out grace for him again. He could have easily said, you know what, your punishment is going to be someone else is going to kill you, and that'll be your just consequence for the decision that you've made. But even in his punishment, God chose to protect Cain. Again, our rebellion has the ability to draw us back to our gracious God if 
we'll humble ourselves, admit that we've done wrong, and seek to fix what we have damaged. Now, as we close the day, in just a moment, our worship team's gonna come out and they're gonna guide us through a song called Come As You Are. And if maybe today, maybe today you're here and you would say, you know what, I've kind of been in rebel mode. Like I, I've, I've been in that arrogant rebel moment where I, maybe I've had a season, maybe I've had a weekend, maybe I've just had this time period in life where I've just been that person and I've uh, looked around and I've watched this relational death occur and maybe, just maybe this morning, you're a little bit tired of the death and maybe you're wanting to get off that path and onto a new path. And if that's you, I think today would be a great day to humble yourself, great day to admit what you've done wrong. A great day to come to God and just say, God, I need your grace and mercy. I need you to teach me how to fix this stuff. So during this final song, what I encourage you to do is have a conversation with God. Have a, have a serious conversation with God and tell him what you've done. Ask for his forgiveness. Receive his grace. And then ask God to show you how to begin fixing what you've damaged. Begin fixing the relational death that's been occurring around you and Leave here with a passion to do what God asks you to do. So if God points out to you this morning that you need to apologize to someone, go do that right away. Go out of here and apologize. If you need to fix something, fix it. If you need to pay restitution for something, pay that. Whatever you need to do this morning that God might be prompting you to do, I encourage you to do that. Humble yourself and start fixing that stuff that's been damaged around you. If you need someone to pray with you this morning, and there are moments that we get to a service like this, we, we talk about a subject like this, and, and sometimes our hearts are so heavy and we're not even sure what to say. And there are moments that we need some help. We need somebody else to help us talk to God. So if you need that, we're gonna have a few prayer people back in that corner of the room, okay? They're gonna be wearing a sticker that says prayer. So as you walk up and you see someone that has a sticker on their, on their shirt that says prayer, just go ahead and go up to them and feel free. During this next song, have a conversation with them. Now, today, if you are, uh, have been in that rebel mode, uh, that arrogant rebel mode, like maybe you know, you're, you've been in that this, this past season or, or currently or this past weekend or whatever, um, and all you've heard from me today is blah, blah, blah. Again, I get it. I understand there are moments that's what I hear when I'm in rebel mode. All that I ask you to do is spend some time this week answering this one question. The question is this. What is my rebellion doing to the people I love? What is my rebellion doing to the people that I love? Don't do anything different in your life. Don't make any changes. Keep living the way that you're living. Keep going down the path that you're going. Just pause for a moment this week and answer that question. What's my rebellion doing to the people that I love? Let's pray together. And then those who want to start a conversation with God or if you need prayer with someone else, you can do that. Let's pray. God, the Bible is full of stories of rebellion. And as we're going to see in this series, uh, there's a story that applies to all of us whether we can identify with that real arrogant rebel or not. Lord, we're all rebels. The Bible makes that very clear. We've all turned away from you. We've all uh, sinned greatly. We've all fallen short of your glorious standard. So Lord, we've all been involved in some rebellion. But today, Lord, as we've looked at Cain's story, we've seen that there are some 
uh, people and there are some times where we hold so tightly to our rebellion thinking it's going to lead us to a good place and Lord, it never does. Never leads us to the place that you want it to lead us to. So Lord, today there are some folks at that Y in the road. They're looking at two options, either pausing and coming back to you or continuing down a path away from you. Lord, I just pray for all of us. I pray that all of us would stop. I pray that we would recognize when we're on that path away from you and I pray that we would humble ourselves and we would come back to you. So this morning we're gonna sing a song called Come As You Are. And Lord, that's what you invite us to do. You don't say to us, hey, go fix your life and then come to me. You tell us to come to you and you will help us fix our lives. So Lord, I pray for all of us today that we would come to you, we would humble ourselves and we would say, God, would you help me? Would you help me fix the relational death that I have caused around me? Help me to walk your path. Help me to do what's right and not what's wrong. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen. Good morning, everyone. My name is Chris. Welcome to Epic. Thanks for joining us. If you're new with us, I encourage you to pop on into our Connection Center on the way out. This way we'll have an opportunity to meet you personally. Be available to answer any questions you may have. It's going to be right around the curtains on the way out. You can't miss it. You know, here at Epic, we believe that real life change happens in circles, not just in rows. And what we're talking about is that in rows, we're sitting here in service and you're hearing the word. But when you get in circles, like in a small group environment, and you're facing somebody, um, you're talking to them. You're talking about God. You're talking about life. And that's when the real change occurs. That's when it gets real personal. And our small groups are um, getting ready to start up again. So if you haven't been to any of that, I'd love for you to jump into Starting Point. Starting Point is a 10-week conversational environment where people can uh, begin to explore the story of God and experience community. So whether you're checking out the whole God thing or you're a new Christ follower or you're new to Epic, uh, Starting Point is a great place to start off with small groups. And if you've been through Starting Point, then we have what we call the next step, which be the next step for you. So after the service today, we're going to have an intro meeting for both of those groups, Starting Point and Next Step, over here at the Teacher's Lounge. So if that's something that you're interested in signing up for or maybe obtaining a little bit of information before you make a decision, please feel free to join that meeting right after service. Last week, we had our Easter service here, and uh, a little over 800 people over two services is what we packed out. Yeah, that's... That's kids and children combined, but over 800 people. I don't know how we're going to fit anybody next year. Trent might have to go to three services or we'll have to video him and uh, we'll see what happens. But you know what's even more exciting for me is that 28 people were saved last Easter Sunday. 28 people. That's glory to God on that one. That one to me is even a bigger celebration. And you know, we were supposed to have a baptism last week, but because of the weather, we had to reschedule it. Well, we're going to have that today. So Uh, As long as we don't have any lightning or real heavy rain, we are going to go through with our baptism. So today, 5 o'clock p.m., North 16th Street in Flagler Beach. Uh, Please follow us on Facebook on our news feed, and we'll let you know if the weather gets real bad. uh, We may need to reschedule it, but that's where we're going to put the information. So be following us on Facebook, and you'll be up to speed on um, what we're going to be doing, whether or not we're going to be having it. So if you need any other questions asked, please stop over at our Connection Center, or if you've decided, you know what? 
uh, maybe that extra week was all I needed. Now I want to get baptized. It's not too late. Go over to the Connection Center. You'll get your information over there. Now, immediately following that, we've had this on the calendar for a while, we have our epic day at the park. So at 5.30 p.m. over at Wadsworth Park, and for those of you that don't know where that is, that's the State Road 100 bridge that goes over the intercoastal. It's right at the foot of the bridge on the west side. It's, the, it's Wadsworth Park. And for those of you that have been there before for our epic day at the park, if you go in, I'm going to turn my back to you a little bit. When you go in, we used to meet right over at the left as soon as you came in, and that's not where we're going to be. You're going to go in, and you're going to pass the skate park on your right, and there's a dirt road that goes around to the right into a new parking lot. It goes back by a pavilion by the softball fields. That's where we're going to be. We'll have some signs out. Uh, hopefully, we'll have somebody out there you know, directing traffic, like an air traffic controller. You know, Just blow right by them, and you know where you're going now that I told you, so you'll be fine. So bring family, bring food, bring friends. It's going to be a great time for a fellowship with our church family. We're going to have some bounce houses for the kids. Going to be a great time, as long as the weather cooperates. So once again, follow us on Facebook on our news feed, and if the weather's real bad, we may have to reschedule or cancel that. So just be in touch with us today via Facebook. You know, there are over 100 families of uh, homeless or displaced kids in Flagler County that the Grace Community Food Pantry, they serve on a weekly basis. And for our food drive this week, we're going to collect food, and this is going to be for meals for them on the weekends. So on the way out, pop into the Connection Center, grab a brown paper bag, fill it up, and then feel free to bring that back on any Sunday during the month of April, and we'll make sure we get that over to the food pantry to help stock their shelves. Now, we'd like to partner with the food pantry when we can, and now we have an opportunity coming up that they have a golf tournament on May 2nd. That's Saturday. So if you play golf or you're like me, you just hit a ball around the course or off the course at times, um, feel free to grab a flyer. It has all the details on it. Come out. All the proceeds, once again, is going to go to the food pantry and help stocking the shelves to help serve the people in need in our community. And if you've been coming to Epic for a while and you call Epic home, um, you've taken that leap of faith and you said, you know what, I'm going to set aside a portion of my finances and I want to give back to what we do here at Epic and what we do outside of these four walls at Epic. Well, I thank you for that. If that's something you want to continue to do or you're ready to take that leap of faith, there's two ways that you can do that. You can visit our website at theepicchurch.com, click on the giving tab, and you can donate electronically or we have giving boxes set up on tables at the back of the seating sections. You can utilize those as well. Okay, we've got 3G Saturday coming up on uh, this Saturday. In fact, Cody Anderson, our youth ministry leader, I told him I was going to call him out. He's wearing a 3G shirt. Cody, stand up and show everybody your shirt. Cody's excited for 3G. Cody once in a while gives me funny smiles while I'm on stage, so I told him I was going to call him out. So that's for you, Cody. But anyway, 3G Saturday is really happening. I want you to watch this video, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit right after this video. It's like a good time, right? Yes, it does. Well, listen, we still need volunteers of all ages to sign up for some of these projects. And especially, there's a couple I'm going to touch on because we really need some help here. The Alpha Pregnancy Center Thrift Store has a landscaping project. And we've got some people signed up, but we need some of you burly men to get signed up on this project. We need to move a little bit of heavy stuff. So please, if you're looking to serve somewhere and you haven't signed up yet, think about the uh, landscaping project at the Alpha Pregnancy Center Thrift Store. Uh, we also could use some help at our Habitat build, whether that's serving lunch or actually participating in the build itself. And lastly, uh, the Windsor, interacting with some of the residents at the Windsor, the assisted living facility. That is one of the most rewarding things that you can do, to put a smile on somebody's face who maybe only gets a handful of visitors a year. There's nothing more rewarding than going there and spending time with those people. So I encourage you to go ahead and do that. If you've signed up already, Fantastic. If you haven't, today is the last day. So after service, in the back, we have some tables set up with the projects that are labeled. Feel free to go ahead and sign up. 
If you need to get out of here, you get a bug out at the service because you're in a rush, you can still go online and sign up, but today is the last day, so make sure you get that done. You'll be getting an email during the week with all the specifics, laying out the details on you know, times and locations. Remember, we're not meeting here on Saturday. You're going to meet at your project location. So keep an eye out for that email. It'll lay everything out for you. And let's just remember to pray for everybody that's involved in the 3G project this week. Uh, we want to be able to show our community that you know, we're there for them. And I'd like to start out by just saying a prayer today. And then after that, Trent will come out shortly afterwards and begin our new series. So if you just bow your heads and pray with me. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to go out and serve others in a way that just makes you smile, Lord. And I thank you for all the volunteers and their willingness to step out into our community and make a difference. Thanks for the leaders who work so hard on putting these projects together. It's just so awesome to see literally hundreds of people getting out in the community and just being the church. So that I pray that all the projects are recognized as your love for people, Lord. And thank you again for your great gift to us and be with us as we share our stories through serving our community next week. Lord, I also want to pray for Trent as he comes out, that you would speak through him and that hearts and minds um, are softened and that your love would be accepted today, Lord. So I thank you for Epic Church. I pray for your blessings on the rest of the service. I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.